Thank you, Pastor. It's wonderful to be here today. Praise God. You know, it gives me great joy also, too, to follow a former pastor, Casey, and also a former student of mine, <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> so, um, praise the Lord for that. Uh, today, we're looking at God's heart for the world. And I can't think of a better thing today, and I, I just didn't catch this till now, but really, nothing better than finishing off with the great prayer in John 17. God's heart for the world. God's prayer for the world. In John 17, in fact, if you have your Bibles, please go ahead and get those out. We're going to be reading that here soon. Uh, and that is John 17, all of it there. And we see in Scripture so much where the Lord just loves His people to be with Him, His disciples to be with Him. And I thought of that even uh, Mark 3. He called them to be with Him, and then He sent them out. Ministry begins in prayer. Everything we do begins in prayer. If it's of the Lord, it's the Lord's. And it comes through prayer. That is why prayer is what they say is the oil of the machine. Prayer. If we're not praying, there's no God. It's Him. It's all about Him. It's Him speaking in us through His Word, through the Spirit. Speaking through prayer. And moving the world in the ways that He desires. So if we are not in prayer, we're missing out. We're in the world. If we're not in prayer, we're in the world. So it gives me great joy today just to be able to be here to encourage us in prayer. Let's begin with that now. Again, let's pray. Father, we worship you, we praise you, and we adore you. Because you're worthy of all. We're in awe of you, Lord. And we pray today that you open our eyes, Lord. Open your word to us this morning. Show us more. As I think of Moses, show us more of your glory. More, Lord, for your glory. Plant in us a greater passion, Lord, to seek you, to be with you, to pursue, pursue you, Lord, through prayer. We just yield ourselves before you now, Lord, and ask that you speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I always love to thank the worship team first off because... Oh, I didn't start my clock. Excuse me. I want to start that clock. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I always want to thank the worship team because I so much believe, as I know we do, that in that they usher in that presence of God. God loves that worship. That's what he desires, that we worship and adore him. And what happens is that what really does, it ushers in the presence, the presence. He is present now. There's two or three gathered here, right? He is right here with us right now. So thank you, worship team, for that gift that you share. And I thank you, church, for inviting me here this morning. Also, I want to thank Brian Schmidt for covering for me last uh, two weeks ago there when I couldn't come. Appreciate it, brother. Also, I need to thank, you know, this is still some of the embers of Thanksgiving here, I think. <laughs> but uh, thank my wife, Renee, just the, the gift in the last few weeks. She was my nurse. She was my secretary. And we celebrated 40 years together just this last week. <clears throat> So thank you. Mm. And then, oh my goodness, the prayers that, in the la during that time, the prayers that I heard, people, actually, the, people were saying this often, you know, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. Even this morning I heard, first thing from someone, I'm praying for you, somebody at the door, I'm praying for you. We hear that so often when we're down, when we're feeling ill. And what an encouragement that is to us. So I, you know, that, moment of that physical affliction I just felt I, I thought of this verse it was it's in um, Psalms 119.25 where he speaks it I'm not going to give you the exact quote of that but I'm going to give you just my thought on that my thought was simply that 
You know, I'm a man laid low in the dust, broken. But I was drenched with the dew of heaven through your prayers. Let me say it again. I was a man laid low in the dust, broken. But I was drenched by the dew of heaven through your prayers. And so I want to thank you for that. Because I believe that's what has brought me back thus far. And you know, there's um, the Lord. Hmm. You know, whether you're suffering physically like that, that affliction, or whether you're suffering from uh, something financially or if it's relationally, whatever it may be where you suffer, those words I'm praying for you are so encouraging. And you know, what if Jesus said, I'm praying for you? How would that feel? Well, you know, he did say those words in John 17. In John 17, the Lord said, Jesus said, I'm praying for you. Boy, how would that make you feel when you know that Jesus is praying for you? But our high priestly prayer, our high priestly prayer, he did say those things. Mm. Just to hear him utter those words. I have to just even pause and think about that a moment. It really cuts to the heart. That he, knowing that he, the great intercessor right now, is praying for us. And it does not stop. It does not cease. It is constant. Constant because of that great love. His love for the world. His love for people. So we're going to get into this John 17 here in a second. That, uh, that's our focus today. Is that John 17. And my hope... I want to express this first. My hope for us here today, three things. That when we leave church today, we will remember these three things and we will put into practice some new things. And here are the three things. I want you to remember these three. In fact, I'm going to ask you in a minute to turn to your neighbor and say these three things. Real simple, but just plug it in your head there. Put it right in there. It is John 17. Simple. Remember John 17, the great priestly prayer. Second, Something called preemptive prayer. Preemptive prayer. And lastly, prayer paths. All right, John 17, preemptive prayer. Path, prayer paths. Turn to your neighbor and say those three things, please. Right now, go. Okay, can you say it backwards now? I was a teacher. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right, I want to start with the last one for a second here. I just want to say a quote that I came across, and that is prayer paths, right? We're talking about prayer paths, paths of prayer. This quote, I'm not sure exactly when it was, but I think it was somewhere in the date from the different readings that I did, is in the early Africa, it was in the times of the, I think it was Eastern Africa, actually, but in the, um, somewhere around the 4th century, basically. Long time ago, right? 4th century? This comes from that. Here it is. The quote says, Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in their private devotions. Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pour out his heart to God. And over time, the paths of these places became very well worn. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. They would kindly remind the negligent one with these words, Brother, The grass grows on your path. We're going to take a minute here and say a silent prayer. We're going to ask the Lord. The question I want to put to you is this.
Are our paths of prayer well-worn or is there grass that is growing? And I'm talking personally, but I'm actually talking corporately. Church. Is our church, am I personally, or is our church, what does that path look like? Is it bare or is there grass growing? Just close your eyes a minute and ask the Lord those two questions and see what He puts on your heart. Amen. Amen. We're going to come back that, to that a little later. But let's cons- continue to consider that question as we hear today the rest of this time. But we hear from God's Word in John 17 as well. So let's get some context here on John 17 before we begin reading it. You know, we see so many examples in Scripture of prayer, constant prayer. I just want to name a few quick prayers here. And as we think of Hannah's prayer, we think of Daniel's prayer. We think of the prayer of Jabez, Solomon's prayer, Hezekiah's prayer, David's prayers in the Psalms, Jesus' prayers. There are so many more. But it is the one of Jesus' prayer, the great prayer ever prayed, the high priestly prayer that we want to cast an anchor on today is found in the Gospel of John 17. I'm sorry, yeah, John 17. It's, just, it's interesting today that much of the church around the world begins, this, that we begin the season of Advent as we heard earlier today. Because during this, the period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Christ, the incarnate one at Christmas, and also of preparation for the second coming of Christ. In between these two, in the middle, sandwiched in between, The life of Christ and the death and resurrection of Christ, we find the most powerful prayer. Again, John 17. In the Bible, from 1 John to John 17, we read the incredible life and ministry of Jesus, the birth, that is, when he became flesh, and the gathering of the disciples, the miracles. You know, I think of the miracles, that first part, from John 17 back, we see this incredible time of Jesus, his life, that birth and his living, and the miracles that he did, the incredible, the power, this powerful being who is, you, you see some of those miracles where he raised Jesus, where he raised Lazarus from the dead, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, he healed the blind man, he walked on water, incredible, one thing after another, miracle after miracle, the power in that. He provided two loads of Fish for Peter, James, and John, and others in the blink of an eye. He also changed water into wine. He filled those jars. In fact, it was at that point of where Jesus' mother was told by Jesus. Remember these words that she said? She said he, he said back to her because he, she wanted that miracle to happen now, revealing his glory. And she said to him, she said, he said, I'm sorry, he said, Mother, my time has not yet come. All of this and more on the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus was right in telling his mother that his time had not come. However, then we enter John 17, the prayer that splits that life. We see the the life of Jesus, the ministry, the miracle, and then in the center we see that prayer of John 17. And then what happens after that? He's arrested. He's arrested. And then he's looked upon as weak. The suffering that he went through. His death and ultimately his death and resurrection. He knew his time had come. Imagine the disciples following this time. What did they think of Jesus? How can it be? Think about this. The great I am, the all-powerful Miracle maker, the incarnate Son of God and all-knowing Good Shepherd, arrested, meek, humble, weak, suffering. Just really, as I read that John 17, it just blew my mind thinking about, wow, you see this all-powerful, and then all of a sudden you see this 
suffering servant. The disciples disperse. Mm. Well, let's get to the prayer. Let's get to that prayer now. John 17, brother. We're going to do this a little different. We're going to have pastor read this. John 17, 1 through 5, and then we're going to stop and pray a second, and then we're going to, I'll share a couple things, and then we're going to uh, bring back up for the, another piece of it, and we'll do three times here. So first, but I want to mention here, just in Nehemiah 8, thinking about this, when somebody gets up to read the Word of God, I, I think of, I go back to Nehemiah 8, 3, where we see um, Ezra was, Ezra standing. He stood on this high wooden platform, kind of like today almost, huh? This high wooden platform. And he opens the book of the law. And then what happened? The people stood up. Reverence for that word. Let's all stand. And he stood up. And did you know also in this passage it says too, he read from sunrise until noon. Imagine standing for that long listening to the Word of God. Do we have that zeal, that zest for the Word of God to hear that? I pray we do. I pray we grow in that even. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Mm. Thank you, Pastor. You may be seated. This is unquestionably the Lord's Prayer. The prayer that we often refer to as the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 would be better called the Disciples' Prayer because it reveals the depth of human helplessness. This prayer, the prayer of Jesus in John 17, recorded by John, it reveals the height of divine sufficiency. Before Jesus faced the cross, he prayed for his disciples then and now, and he is the greatest intercessor of all time. John 17 contains the longest recorded prayer of Jesus in any of the Gospels. And Jesus prays this after he finishes his final instructions to the disciples and before he's betrayed, arrested, and crucified. First, Jesus prays for himself, you note here. And then he prays for his disciples, and then lastly, he closes out by praying for all believers. You see, when Jesus came, he offered his life as the ultimate sacrifice that we would not only cover the sins of the people, but completely cleanse his people and save them. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And his intercession for us in John 17 is a wonderful example of his love, his love for the world. As Jesus begins his high priestly prayer, he reveals that his purpose in coming to earth was to glorify the Father by giving eternal life to those who believe in him. Although Jesus is God, and it was with the Father before the world began, he humbled himself and came to earth as a man so people would know the, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, there's two things actually really, in this passage. There's two things I just want to really hit. And I want you to remember these. The first one is this, that in the need of the Father, you know, we see in the beginning of this where, where he, uh, the very first few lines there. I'm sorry, I want to read that again real quick here. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed. What does that show us already there? He says, the Father, the Father, the hour has come. 
He's acknowledging. He's, take this picture. This is Jesus the Son looking to the Father and praying. And what I see here is his need. His need in this moment. He knew he was going to that cross. He knew it. And he knew that he needed that power. He couldn't do it. Even Jesus, he could not do it. The incarnate God, Jesus. He needed the Father. And this took me to a passage actually in Luke 22, 19, 44. And this is where I saw his need. In Luke 22, 34, 19, he says, Jesus went as usual to the Mount of Olives and his, his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, he said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw away beyond and he knelt down and he prayed and he says father if you are willing take this cup from me you're not not my will but your will be done an angel appeared from heaven appeared to him and it strengthened strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like blood drops of blood falling on the ground how intense is that jesus the only time in scripture that we see that i know that he actually kneels down in prayer. And he's sweating drops of blood. If he needs prayer, Jesus Christ needs prayer. If he prays, needs prayer, going to the Father, how much more do we need it? We so need it. You see, in some here, really, Jesus... He made prayer his priority because he was aware. He was aware of his purpose and thus he needed his need for God's power and provision. Did you catch that? I want to read it one more time. So good. In sum, Jesus made prayer his priority because he was aware of his purpose and thus his need for God's power and provision. The second thing in that piece that we read, that first five verses, is I love this too. The way that he, the way Jesus clarifies here, um, he brings clarity to this, to this definition of eternity. And he said, <clears throat> that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. We often think of eternal life as about the mansions and, and we're going to see our friends and family and streets of gold and all this stuff. But yet, he says here that this, this what he says surpasses all of this is what he says is this eternal life is to know God through Jesus Christ. Think of the motto of the church here, right? I think it's out on the front door. What does it say? To know Christ first. To know Christ. That's eternal life. And that's the power of the gospel, my friends. And we should never be ashamed of it. Let's take a moment here, and I just want us to do some personal prayer. I have this question. That all may know. We want to pray this. That all may know eternal life. That is, that they would know God. So, take a moment and ask the Lord, is there someone in your heart today that you can pray for, that you would pray would know God that does not know Him? Bow your heads and let's just pray for that. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor? We're going to read now John 6 through 19. Please. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Jesus continued in verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you, have gave, who, whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. 
and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Three points from this. Number one. Again, remember, he's praying to his disciples. First thing is, um, Jesus prayed for his men that they would be kept by the Father as we know he was going away. Jesus knew the wickedness of the world and he had seen firsthand the wretchedness of the human heart. He knew that Left to themselves, the disciples would not be able to maintain their relationship with the Father. Therefore, he took the responsibility and placed it squarely on the shoulder of the Father. Remember, the Holy Spirit has not, it comes in Acts 2, correct? At Pentecost, so Holy Spirit's not there, right? Jesus going away, he gives it to the Father. The duty to the Father on his shoulders. And then secondly, he prayed for their protection. So that was the first one was he prayed for their per, per, he prayed for their preservation. Now he's praying for their protection. And that is Jesus next here. He prayed that the disciples would be protected from evil. That is the evil one. And Jesus is praying that they be given strength to face the task at hand and that they would be given strength to stand against the attacks and to be sure to come from the, that will be sure coming from the devil. And then thirdly, he prayed for their purity. Jesus asked the Father to set these men apart from the world by the word of God. His prayer is that they might live their lives against the backdrop of the scriptures and that they would, or that they might live their lives pleasing to the Father as we know they would. On these three, he prayed for again his, the preservation the protection, and the purity. And what I'd like to do is focus our prayer in on one of those, and that is protection of the church here from the evil one. We know he's around, he prowls around. And we know we can think right now there are things that have happened here in the church between relationships, between whatever it might be. There is an evil one around, and we want to take this moment to pray. If we could just pray against the evil one. So bow your heads and let's pray one more time here. In Jesus' name we pray again. Amen. Thank the Lord that he does hear our prayer.
And he will respond as he always does. Please stand. John chapter 17, verses 17, 20, 20 through 26. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, as I, the, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Hmm. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thank you. Be seated, please. <clears throat> Amen. Wow. You know, after praying for his disciples, and now he's praying, that was a prayer for all of those who will believe. Is that us today? That is us today. This prayer that he prayed how many years ago is still good, huh? Prayed for all of us and all to come. Jesus' desire expressed by his high priest, priestly prayer is that all of, us, all of his fathers would be in complete unity. Just as he and the Father are in perfect unity. It's probably one of the highlights of John 17 for me, actually, this word unity. You see, Jesus prays for believers to be in God so that the world will believe in Jesus Christ. When believers are united and abiding in God, the world will know that God loves them and that he sent Jesus for them. You know, God desires unity and sanctity in his believers. And he wants the world to know him. And our role, just like Jesus, is to glorify. Glorify the Father. You know, there's a verse here in Isaiah 43, 7 that speaks of that. Um, that our purpose in life is to bring glory to the Father. So he wants the world to know, and that's our role, just like Jesus, is to glorify the Father. It's hard to understand how a perfect God chose imperfect humans like us to carry the message of the gospel, isn't it? So he wants us, he wants us to know him, just like up front of the church here, the motto, to know him first. And now we're getting into here at the end of the prayer, we're, we're seeing where to make him known. This whole 17 John prayer is just, it's incredible. It matches your motto so well. And last, I just want to leave you with this thought. This, this 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Not from us. So right now, what I'd like to do is take another time of prayer, a last time of prayer here. And that is to pray for, what is it? Unity. That the world may know. Unity, that the world may know Jesus, the Father. So let us pray. Bow your heads, please. And it's in the mighty, matchless name of Jesus that we do pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Now for some time of application here. You know, we read the word 
And sometimes we walk away not retaining some of it, right? Often, though, I know the word spurs us on, and we do walk away with something. So what I'd like to do is I've, I'm going to try to hear, we're going to, some of us are visual learners, so I thought I'm going to go ahead and explain this in a couple of different ways. And that is we're going to get in talking about preemptive prayer here. How many of us already know, what it, what it, do you know what preemptive prayer is? Does anybody know what preemptive prayer is? You can assume maybe what it is. But I'm going to give you three ways here. I'm going to give you some stories. And then I'm going to give you some scripture. And then some pictures here. I'm going to do it three ways. So we get this idea of preemptive prayer. What is preemptive prayer? Well, first of all, we'll go to the dictionary, look up the word preempt. Right? And I did that. And it says to acquire or appropriate something in advance. To seize the opportunity before anyone else can. Before anyone else can. And to defeat other plans. Oh, I love that. To defeat other plans ahead of time. So now, what is the definition of preemptive prayer? And the definition I have here is, it's God's method of acquiring territory before his purposes in advance through prayer. Do you get that? It's God's method of acquiring territory for his purposes in advance through prayer. Think of preemptive prayer as an offensive, more advancing prayer rather than defensive. That is more reactive prayer. Our tendencies are defensive or reactive. Our tendencies are defensive or reactive prayer, I believe. I'm hoping we can be more offensive in the game here now. Did you get that? Offensive, defensive. Reactionary prayer instead of preemptive prayer. I want to give you a couple of stories of what I mean by that now. And first is one of Billy Graham. I was with Will Graham a few years ago. I'll never forget this. He said this to me in person. We were talking. He he was heading off to Madagascar. And he says, he says, Ed, you know, he goes, I want to share something. He goes, I was just getting ready to leave. And he says, my grandfather just shared this with me. And he was leaving like the next day, I think it was. And he says, there's two things that Billy Graham regrets. His grandfather told his grandson, there's two things I regret. I regret that I did not read the Word of God as much as I should have. I did not know the Word of God as much as I should have. See, his wife was, his wife knew better than he the Word of God, is what he felt. The second thing he says, I wish I would have prayed more. You think about that. Billy Graham, I wish I would have prayed more. Well, he had intercessory prayer. He had preemptive prayer like, I, one of the, probably one of the first ones that I heard, incredible team of intercessors before every event. He had hundreds and hundreds of intercessors on the ground. And that is, he had, I heard the number one time, over 300, 400 intercessors. And these were women that prayed before every one of his events and they spent much time in prayer. That is preemptive prayer. Before he goes to share the word, he prepared the way those ladies were in prayer. I don't know if it was months or years, how long they, ahead of time they were scheduled. So that's one thing. So I heard that story. And I was with, Renee and I have been with International School Project, Global Prayer, Campus Crusade for Christ Crew, whatever you call it, for a number of years. And in the prayer ministry for now, it's been, I, I don't know, it's probably been 15 years in the prayer ministry of crew. And this is something that I learned, and is over time, how important it is in life personally, but also corporately and as a church, that we have this ahead time prayer, intercessory prayer. So for every event that we went to, we started this about 15 years ago. Um, and that is, we would build up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to pray before our events around the globe. All of our conferences, I mean, it was amazing. And in fact, as I look out here, many of you have prayed for those events, those conferences, with, and you're praying preemptively, preparing the way before. Our 
I often think of myself even just as in as, as a in prayer, I think of preemptive. I often am praying for things, praying for people. In a sense, what I see it as, it's like, an, I'm, I feel like I'm just an usher. Seriously, I really feel this. You know, I'm praying, I say, you know, Lord, I, I see this individual, I know they're struggling, and I'm praying for them, and, and I feel like it's, as an usher, it's like an usher in a theater. You know, it's taking people to that place, to that presence, even like the worship team. Bringing us to that presence. You're just ushering us into the presence of God. And I feel we just need to really pray preemptively more than we do. Would you agree? Most of the time I think it's reactive prayer. Oh my gosh, oh Lord, help me, oh help me. I mean, we're tended to wait for the moment when we really need Him. But so my thought today is that we would pray preemptively more. That we in our lives would do that personally. That we do it corporately. Put it in to our schedules. And I'd like to share a few in Scripture. A couple of things to back that up in Scripture quickly here. And that is, uh, the first is John, um, John 14.10. says, Christ himself tells us he did nothing on his own initiative. Everything Jesus did came from his relationship with Father and in his power and wisdom through prayer. He spent long hours in preemptive prayer. As we just read, John 17, that's a preemptive prayer, if there was one. But also we see it throughout Scripture. Why did he always go off to the mountain? Why did he go off in the early morning? What was he doing? I really that, That's preemptive prayer. He spent long hours in that before events and choosing the disciples in the temptation in the wilderness uh, in Gethsemane before the cross preemptive prayers and in John 17 20 through 23 Jesus prayed preemptively in the upper room for the future of the disciples and for those who would come to him through him he asked the father for spiritual protection unity and oneness with God And another scripture, this one a little different than those two, is that in Matthew 26, 41, Jesus warned Peter about his upcoming temptation, telling him to pray so that he would not fail. Instead, Peter slept and failed when temptation came. Mm. Okay, so we heard a couple stories. We saw a little scripture. Now we want to do one for those that are the visual learners, all right? Visual learners. One more time. And this one is, uh, it's an analogy that I I use for uh, preemptive prayer, what it might look like. If you can get this picture. You know, I was a Gandhi dancer. Anybody know what a Gandhi dancer was? Or is? I was a Gandhi dancer earlier in life. It was really pre-Christian too. But it was a beautiful dance. I loved it. A Gandhi dancer is one that works on the railroad. A Gandhi dancer is a worker on a section crew, and it was with Burlington Northern and Burlington, Iowa, that I served working actually in between my college years, in my college years, and even in my last year of high school. I, did, I think I did four or five years. So in the summer, I would go out and I would, uh, it was summertime, so you can imagine. You had to wear these long sleeve shirts, long pants, a helmet, and gloves, and in the heat. And you're walking in this railroad yard where it's just, they have a lot of what they call creosote. Creosote is something that protects the tires, so it's, it's, it's really hot, and if you get it on you, it, it burns. And uh, very nasty job. And there was, it was a hard job. And I know I, had, I happened to be one that was given this job of running the mall. And the mall is not where you go buy things. No, no. A mall. A mall is a tool. It's a tool that has a long handle, right? And it's a big chunk of steel on the end. And I had to, you had to, they had to get it down to three hits and it should be in. And you get this spike about like this, right? And I have to take that spike and I have to set it down on that creosote tie. And you have to just kind of little tap and then you got to go boom, boom. And it's done. And you get another one and you get a bucket of them. And you carry the hard, nasty work. And you just do that all day. Great job, but hard, hard work. Probably the hardest physical job I ever had. 
And you would do it right in the mix in a, it's a railroad yard where there's the section crews where you have many lines of, of railroad. There were probably 20 tracks across in this area. And we just also have to grab these tongs and we'd pick up these large chunks of steel, the rails, and move them and switch them and move them around. But what were we doing? We were preparing the way so that when that locomotive came, it would just go sweep down that track without any problems, carrying tons and tons of material. Powerful engines. I remember standing there all the time in the yard. We're working because they would still be coming through. And you would be, you know, the ground would rumble. And, and you'd be, there's the sound in that locomotive. The power in that. So, I don't know if the slide has come up yet. But I want to give you the visual picture of it now. Just take a look at the slide. There it is. There's the locomotive. So, that's slide one. And that is an example of the power of God, as I was just talking about. The power of God is coming through. So, what do we need? Slide number two. Preemptive prayer lays the tracks so that the train can go forward unhindered in the direction that it wants to go. Slide three. In our world, as we know, without preemptive prayer, we often encounter closed doors, negativity, disunity, hostility, lack of interest, confusion, demonic forces, etc. in many areas. New tracks need to be, estab need to be established and spiritual ground reclaimed where the other tracks had been laid. Slide number four. When we pry, I mean pray, when we pray together before every conversation, every decision, every meeting, every trip, every moment. Slide number five. The Holy Spirit prepares the way and preempts whatever opposition the enemy has in mind and we can move forward straight with confidence, expectancy, safety, joy, assurance and boldness and power. Slide number six. Oh, the power. When the power comes, when the work of prayer is laid, we board the train in a powerless boxcar, dining car, caboose, and we wait for the power to come, that engine, to carry us along while we are enjoying the ride and waving. Do you understand what preemptive prayer is? I hope so. I hope so. It is so, so critical that we pray preemptively. Let's pray a moment here. Father, I do. I pray, Father, just that, mm, that you give us those eyes, that you give us those ears to hear, to quicken our hearts to preemptive prayer. Lord, let us not forget to pray without ceasing, to pray preemptively that your power would come forth, Lord, to defeat the evil one, to defeat the things of this world that, that tend to want to disrupt and destruct and destroy. We pray your will be done and your kingdom come. It's in your name we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 52, I want to leave, I want to leave you a couple things here first, another few minutes. Isaiah 52, 6-12 says here, For you will not go out with haste, nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard when we pray preemptively. Amen. In closing, I want you to remember three things here again before we leave. <clears throat> what were those three things you heard today? John 17. <clears throat> Preemptive prayer and? Prayer paths. All right. <clears throat> I want to read that African story one more time just so you don't, you don't forget that story. <clears throat> Early African converts to Christianity 
were earnest and regular in private devotions. Each one reportedly had a separate spot in the thicket where he would pour out his heart to God. And over time, the paths to these places became well-worn. As a result, if one of these believers began to neglect prayer, it was soon apparent to the others. And they would kindly remind the neglected one, Brother, the grass grows on your path. May it be that your paths are well-worn and there's no grass. <clears throat> and what I want to leave you now, I have a, I'm going to send this to, I don't know who, but anyway, I have 30 ways that I pray daily, weekly, that I've created that are a lot of different things. But I, I want to give you that sheet. And I really would like to, have, I was thinking even a bookmark, just because I think they're so good to remember and I just want to give you some of the words, some of the terms. I can't explain them right now, but I want you to know in a week. I'm going to explain a few, though. But I want to leave with this, just to encourage you and share <clears throat> with you that this will help you to keep your path mowed and worn out. First of all, silent prayer, one I call silent prayer. And that is <clears throat> have regular daily times of silent Listening prayer. What does that mean? There's no talking, really. There's no chatter. There's nothing. It's just silence with the Lord. But daily. Mine happens to be, I mean, there's several times in a day that I do, but morning is the biggest chunk. I've just, that's one of the first things I do when I wake up. I sit in a chair. I sit there as long as it takes. I just sit with the Lord in silence. I don't open the Word even yet. I do get to the Word eventually, but I begin with that, just listening. I call it silent prayer. <clears throat> Reactive prayer. Reactive prayer is prayer through the problems of the day as they arise. When something happens, a problem, pray. It's just your reaction. Get that reaction. It's automatic. When something happens, I think prayer. And I tend to go to a Scripture. Impulse prayer. Always obey the impulse to pray. Anytime the Spirit comes in, pray it. Pray it now. Don't wait. And that brings up the other one that, um, what I call, oh, I call it on-the-spot prayer. <clears throat> on-the-spot prayers, I react to that all the time. If somebody tells me something that's going on in their life or they, you hear of a situation or whatever, as soon as I hear that on-the-spot, or they say, a lot of times it happens this way, they say, hey, will you pray for my brother, my cousin, you know? I say, yes, I will. Step right up and pray. Don't say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for it. Because you know what happens, right? On-the-spot prayer. Prayer prompts. I have a lot of prayer prompts. <clears throat> um, boy, there's a whole list. I'll put them on the list and give them to you next week. But anyway, just one for example. <clears throat> We've got three babies coming and three different people. <clears throat> I've got one time set for this. But it's an alarm on my alarm clock. It goes off every time, three, uh, 7.37 at night. It goes off, and I pray for those three. These three babies coming. That's one prompt. Prompt is whenever I shake hands, y'all know this, some of y'all, not y'all, but somebody does. Every time I shake somebody's hand, I put a little cross and a blessing. I pray a prayer of blessing. When I greet you, when I hug you, I will put a prayer. You don't know, but I put a little cross on your back if I hug you. It's automatic. I think that when I, I act it, and it's a way to pray, a blessing. So today, if you come up to me afterwards, you shake my hand or you hit my back, you know what's going to happen. I didn't say anything to you, but I am inside, honestly, I am inside saying, oh, Lord, bless his soul. Bless this man, Lord. May he walk with you. And I may just go a few little blips of prayer, and it just, but it's automatic. Another way to pray. Springboard prayer. Springboard prayer. This is beginning every, well, I use this in different contexts, but anyway, every board meeting, springboard prayer. Every meeting, everything that you have going on at work or wherever, if you can't pray work, well, you pray silently. But if you're in the context of a Christian in a church, every meeting in this church, every meeting should begin with prayer. A scripture. Scripture prayer, you always be, a lot of times you use prayer. To, this is another part of that is you pray, you have a scripture. You bounce off the word of God and then you go off to your prayer. Springboard prayer. Preemptive prayer we talked about. Group prayer. 
Boy, I, you have to be in a prayer group. If you want to grow in prayer, it's a great place is to join a prayer group, whether it's online. There's a prayer group here at church, I think, now, is there? Or I'm not sure if there's one that just began or something. But anyway, find a prayer group somewhere, and your life of prayer will grow. I know many years ago, Matt Vickers said, we, when I was here teaching this young lady right here, I was teaching her, and then I would hear the pastor on Sunday, and then I would go over to that guy on the Friday mornings with a group of guys to pray. But it's just being intentional in what you're doing in your life in the area of prayer. In evangelism prayer, this is one I love. Evangelism prayer is just, if there is one thing I can be praying for you personally, what would it be? That's a question that I ask You've heard several. I think some of you probably heard that, but it's a great way to pray for someone is just ask them that question, whether it's a waitress or, you know, the car dealer or whoever it may be, but just be always aware and be asked that question. Hey, show some heart, some love, concern, and just, hey, if there's one thing I'd be praying for you personally, what would it be? They'll tell me, I prayed, and that's it. But be aware through your day by doing some of these things, and I'll give you a list here in a week. This will be here for those who would like that. A list of things, of ways that you can increase that prayer in your life, your passion for prayer. Because you never know when that situation is coming, but if you keep praying without ceasing in various ways and keep that praying, God will lead you to some incredible moments that you just will blow you away. When you see the Spirit of God moving, when you see Him do things that just... What? Wow. And please note, this is not for me. It's not a pat on my back, but I just want to give another example that just happened even here recently. You know, I had to go doctor and all that at the hospital, right? So I'm walking through this hospital just a while back here. I was, sick. I was walking through the hospital. I had an appointment. I was just beeline, you know, because I was in a hurry to get there. And I heard there was a group of people over here, about five or six people. And I just heard them say, Man, you need some prayer. You, ah, you need some. And I just heard this. Man, you need some prayer. And I thought, and I didn't even, re, I just reacted. I was walking down. I just kind of, you know, I was going this way. So I, I heard, yeah, you need some prayer. And I looked, I saw a group of five, and I just went, boom. I went over. I joined in this little huddle of like six people I never met, you know. And they're all looking. To, and I said, you need prayer? And he said, oh, yes, this guy, he needs prayer. He's, he's supposed to go home today, but he, 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 just doesn't, he can't go home. He's fearful. He's afraid. And I said, bow your heads. Let's pray. Pray to prayer. I said the prayer, and in the end, I said, amen. And I got it, and I moved, and I went back to my appointment. And they just kind of, I, I didn't even look back. Actually, I remember two or three were kind of tailing me for a little bit, but I lost them, you know? And I got to my appointment, and then... This was the thing that got me. And I just, you know, it's one of those you just, amen. The Lord did something special there. I know he did. And I trust that. Because he says he will in his word, doesn't he? So lo and behold, here we are a week later. I'm going through the hospital. I get up into my appointment into this room. In this room, the, the nurse calls, hey, Ed Schneider, come out. I get out and I start to walk in. I start to walk the door. And a guy across the lobby that was in that little circle. I mean, he was a long, there were several people in the room. He goes, hey, man of God, man of God, thank you. I was like, wow. He saw me and he remembered. And he calls me that, what's in the scripture, they say, man of God. And I just, that blessed me back. I thought, praise the Lord. He, he, he was touched. I believe God touches. His, that spirit moves. The spirit moves when we pray. So let us pray without ceasing. Let us pray. Father, we thank you again just for your word, for the worship we've seen today, for this moment together before your throne, Lord. Nothing sweeter, Lord, than to be joined and linked together, united with my brothers and sisters here, Lord, in the spirit of your word, your Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you've done in our hearts, what you continue to do in our hearts in these days. Father, would you help us, help us, O oh Lord, to wear out that path. Lord, that that, that that path would be dusty and dry. 
that our steps would wear it down to nothing for your purposes, for your kingdom. Lord, grow us in that intimacy, that dependence upon you in these days for your kingdom's sake, Father. Oh, Lord, that we would know you more and you make yourself known to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.